Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, ARMY, to this, your podcast, our podcast, Trivia ARMY Boraje, where we are interviewing the amazing people that is part of the BTS's ARMY. I'm very excited today. I'm usually excited, as you know, but <laughs> today I am um, very excited for our guest. Um, I am, yeah, I think she has a lot to say and, and it's very interesting, everything that she has to say. So yeah, let's get into it. Hello, Armin. How are you? <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm going great. It's so nice to be here on the other side of the world to you. <laughs> Literally the other side of the world. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, for the listeners, we are like 15 hours, uh, like in different time zones. It's mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> but um yes yeah. tell us um well who are you tell us a little bit about yourself where are you from what do oh, you do who am I yeah who are okay. you <laughs> <laughs> I can do that well <laughs> who am I well that's a really big question um in short my name is Walia Eaglehawk I am from Australia I am a writer um, and I also publish books about BTS and ARMY through my company called Revolutionaries that's amazing. That was a lot to take, <laughs> I think, for the listeners. That's the way I found Oilia. Um, she appeared one day in my For You page on TikTok. <laughs> uh, she said, um, <laughs> I'm gonna call that girl's attention because, yeah, and it was with one of her books. And um, of course, it to me, it, it, it was really interesting to know that these books exist. So, but we have to go to the beginning of this all because of course this has to do with what you um dedicate um and what you do so but we have to go to the beginning so what was the first thing like the first interaction the first performance the first song that you listened to like the first thing that you saw and it was bts related and you were like mm, that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> mm, okay well I'll take you back only a few years to about February 2019 um I was on YouTube and the algorithm took me to a video called Idol and this was my first experience of any Korean music um I had no idea what K-pop was you know outside of Gangnam Style I had no clue actually what K-pop was um and so this seeing Idol was my first uh, venture into this realm and it totally blew my mind. Um, at, at first I thought hmm, maybe I should skip this because I have no idea what's happening. Um, I could see like the Hangul um, on the screen. I'm like, you know, it says BTS's name in Korean. I'm like, well, I don't know what that says. Um, I have no idea what's going on and there are so many colours in this music video and everyone's kind of looking at me and they're dancing while they're looking at me. Um, <laughs> why, why am I here? How did I get here? I was just trying to cook some breakfast and, like, procrastinate um, on YouTube. And then um, definitely, like, 30 seconds in, I was totally hooked and I, it just felt like I had fallen down the rabbit hole. And I know people say that a lot, but especially with Idol because it is so technicolored and, um, you know, quite different to a lot of their music videos, uh, I find. Um, it really transported me uh, to a different place and made me really 
kind of nostalgic for my own childhood, but kind of like a childhood that I never had. So it really sparked like this inner joy uh, within me (laughs) and made me really want to reminisce about all these memories that I didn't get to have as a child. So it was a really intense experience. And then um, I guess, yeah, that's where it kicked off. And for a few days, I didn't really, like I put down my phone after that and I walked off and I'm like, no, I can't, I I must've known like that who BTS were to some degree, or maybe I like read the comments and I probably saw how many views the, the video had. I was like, no, I can't be involved with something this popular. Like, this isn't me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. I'm sorry. Like at the time I was working as an arts producer um, with a lot of like really, you know, small independent community-based artists. And all of my friends were independent musicians who had a really strongly developed persona of the struggling artist. So to go from that world of like the struggling art scene in Australia um, to seeing the idol world of South Korea, which is very opulent um, and very in your face and so many things that kind of stood in defiance of what I was believing in at the time. I was like, I can't do this. Um, this isn't this isn't who I am. So I kind of just walked away from that for a few days. But then like already secretly that night so like I had two different conversations in my head so on the I can't do that but then later on that night when I was pretending to ignore them I I did try and find that music video again (laughs) and and I couldn't I couldn't find it (laughs) um so I ended up watching ended up watching DNA I was like okay now that's weird again because that looks and sounds nothing like Idol and are they even the same people because their hair's all different colors and obviously it was filmed at different times and what on earth so then you know a few days later I had kind of come around and had watched all of their music videos (laughs) and I was like okay that's it I'm in love I'm absolutely in love like I've been in love from the first minute but it took me a bit and I'm like I don't care what anyone has to say I'm in screw the independent art scene I'm going full-blown capitalism take me to South Korea um you know whatever it is I'm all in um and so that's that was the moment for me Um, It happened really quick, but I was kind of in denial and it took me many, many weeks to start talking to other people about it. Um, So, yeah, in in one part of my head, I was like on board and totally in love from the first music video. And in the other part of my head, like more of my persona, my my public facing self, I was like, nah, I'm too cool for this. And it turns (laughs) out I'm I'm, they they are way too cool for me. (laughs) And I just had to really accept that. I can imagine, and I can imagine the the that conversation that it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of um, maybe in your head, like the idea was not to think about them, but in the same way, while you were doing that, you were thinking about them. <laughs> you were like... Um, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was like a, a whole thing in, in your brain that it is, It I think it happens, um, and we have this sometimes we we as a society as a as a whole group of, as a community we have this thought that if it's big maybe we shouldn't like it just because I don't know that like what you said like um we are too cool for that <laughs> I can't like something that is so yeah, liked by totally. everyone <laughs> so oh to totally and I think I think and I'm sure we'll talk about this more later mm-hmm. right but um I think also when you see something that's mass made you were we are taught to believe that mass made isn't real or genuine or art 
um, which is an interesting thought because why? <laughs> why exactly. is that the case? You know, or like even the fact that like say if you take some really like famous, famous art pieces like the Mona Lisa or like Starry Night or whatever, they are mass reproduced, right? So they weren't mass made originally. It does come from one art piece. But like I even have a print of the Mona Lisa, like ironically in my house because exactly. why not, you know? So why does that doesn't make it not artwork? So why is it with things like music, as soon as it's for the masses, which in brackets I would like to say, I'd like to clarify, for the masses, I think the problem here that we have is that for the masses means for all people, including poor people and for people on the the outskirts of society. Um, So how could we possibly consider that to be high art when in fact it's it's low mass made? Um, It really challenges that idea of art being inaccessible. which the higher classes obviously would prefer because it keeps things nice and expensive. Um, So, but the fact that BTS are definitely for the people, for all people, um, you know, and it transcends boundaries of language and everything else along the way. It's so powerful, but very threatening to the entire art and capitalistic world in general. But, you know, more on that later, that was just a side note. (laughs) Um, um, yeah, I think it is very interesting. And, um, well, this, this happened and you had this, um, interaction and, um, you had this kind of fight with yourself, this discussion with yourself. And then like, how did you kind of started interacting with army themselves? Like, um, how did you start seeing people around you or on social media that were armies? Like, how they this did they start becoming a part of your of your um life <laughs> apart from just liking BTS? Um, well, okay. So in terms of my biggest struggle with BTS, so that was like the first struggle came, of course, with accepting that I really like them and that it makes me question my morality and it made me totally reconsider what is art and what is music. Um, that was the first. That was the first little hurdle. And, of course, that was ongoing. It's not something that you kind of just get over in the first few days, but I definitely learned to accept it a lot quicker um, than my other problem, which was becoming an ARMY. So, of course, the first moment that I saw BTS, I was totally in love and I had no idea who ARMY were or any of that. And it took me many months to get a good idea of the fandom. Um, Even then, it was so big that I couldn't really fathom it and it wasn't really a priority for me because um, as a fan, my priority is whatever it is that I'm a fan of, not my fellow fans. So I really just focused on BTS while trying to figure out what it means if I call myself an army. And actually it took, so that was February, it wasn't until about September that I fully started to embrace the fact that I am an army and that I am one of tens and tens of millions. Um, And that was a really difficult journey for me and one that still is ongoing because I feel that I don't fit the army mould, not that there is one in particular, but I don't want to engage the same way that everyone else does. Um, And I don't, you know, I don't want to have a Stan Twitter account. I don't want to do... Um, streaming parties I don't you know I don't like to read fan fiction like so there's a lot of things that I don't do and of course there's space for everyone in fandom but it just took me a while to figure out where my own space was and that required me to 
build my own table, create my own space um, where I could just continue to be myself while being an army, um, while supporting the fandom on my own terms and still supporting BTS as well. So that it's a, it's a really big journey because I was really, I didn't want to become an army in many respects because of everything that I had seen. Um, I was really, really afraid of becoming like the worst possible fan um, which is totally about me and not about ARMY at all. <laughs> and if you're, if anyone's familiar with my book, Idol Limerence, there is um, a monologue in the book um, about that was written by the main character, Echo, which I actually wrote when I was on writer's residency in September in 2019, um, where she comes to try and reckon with her shadow self and everything she's so afraid of becoming if she becomes an ARMY and if she becomes a fan of BTS. And that was totally where I had my breakthrough moment and realized I just need to trust myself and I'm not going to somehow become the worst person who will start to stalk BTS and ruin their lives um yeah <laughs> so that is a, it's not a, maybe it's not a typical army journey or maybe it's not one that we hear spoken of much but I think perhaps it's more common than we think as well yeah I do think it is and I I really like and admire uh, the way that you um, went through that journey because I think that it is quite common when we get, um, I don't know, maybe 2018, 2017 from he to here, um, when we get into the fandom, we get this image that it's first, it's so huge. <laughs> and second, it is, there is a mold. I mean, the, that, that, um, there, there is, but there isn't at the same time. There, you see them as a, as in a way, when you first start seeing how army is and all of that, and it's very overwhelming, and it's very, it, it, it makes you being a little bit afraid. Um, so it's very interesting the way you treated it, and I'd like to um point out, um, I this kind of reminds me of um something that um we said in the last interview that we that we uploaded with with Cloud. She says that um something that is really important um in the fandom or or just in the concept of being a fan of someone is being in a community but without you losing your individuality. So I think that is the way that you did it is a great um, way to show that, that it is, there is a space for everybody <laughs> and how they want to live mm, the fandom totally. experience. And it just takes a bit of time. Yeah, that's right. And it takes a bit of time because not everyone has to, I think it's also really important to remember that in order to be an ARMY, all you have to do is love BTS, all seven members. And that's all. You don't actually have to engage with the fandom at all. Um, you don't have to do anything in particular. You don't have to know all their songs. You don't have to know all the lyrics. It's just that when you jump on the internet after discovering BTS and wanting to learn more about ARMY, what you do see primarily, like where I got a lot of my education on ARMY was on Stan Twitter, where people really um, need to assert their own dominance and their own expertise in BTS um, and, and through that, put everyone else down for not knowing something or not being an army for long enough um, or for not wanting to stream or not being able to afford tickets or something like that. And I'm not saying that people are out there intentionally putting people down, but it's just the fact that they're saying I'm an army and I have this following and I have this level of knowledge. Therefore, this is the standard that you have to meet, which isn't the case. 
So it's all very subconscious, um, subverted kind of stuff. It's not always explicit, but it is out there. So especially when I was doing research for my first book, I followed about a thousand stand accounts on Twitter so I could understand the language and um, how everyone interacted. And it was definitely for a particular type of person and I could not fit myself into that box, nor did I want to. Um, so I found that very interesting and very confronting as well because I wouldn't otherwise be interacting with this number of people. Um, I'm, I'm quite, I live quite an insular life. Um, so to be a part of ARMY is to really see, you know, a large cross-section of everyone on earth, um, all the good and the bad, and still have like a really profound respect for everyone and all experiences because ARMY is primarily a positive force of good. Um, but that's not to say that we're perfect either. It's just of very course. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that it shows that basically like in like in everything, in every part of life, um, there's um, a lot of types of people. Like there's everything in everywhere. So you'll find like that. You'll find people that will say like, um, you have to know all the lyrics and you have to stream and all of that, like giving you a checklist to be an army. And um, when it shouldn't be like that, I'm, I'm to I totally, I do agree with you. Like the way to be an army is just loving BTS. That's it, the only requirement. Um, um, and um, I think it's, it's something very um curious to see because um sometimes like that when you have this first interaction with army it's powerful it happens <laughs> it, it's like uh it, it is a little overwhelming so um it's very interesting to see that that, that it was like the, your experience and um well um now talking a little bit more about um bts and their kind of impact in your life um how in a way have they helped you I, i like in any way like personal or in work or in life or in general like how what is a way that you think that they've helped you um to go through something or or in any situation in life uh well <laughs> i think so the thing is when i hear people say how have bts helped you i don't i don't resonate with that question so i will i will explain how they came into my life and how my life changed so that we can we can focus on how they changed my life because of course they helped me but I don't know mm -hmm. it's like I think because I've studied a lot of army stories right and the majority I would say about 75% of them all say I was in a really dark place I was having a really hard time and then I found BTS um so that's why I feel like I that I don't resonate with that because that wasn't my story um so I'll explain and it's kind of really tightly interwoven with the story of how I came to become a published author and have my own publishing company so you know we probably get into that through this story because it's it's all thanks to BTS mm -hmm. completely um, so at the start of 2019 I had um, for many years been operating a food business it was a vegan deli called Deli Cats very cool name um, <laughs> and I was 25 and I had the biggest dream ever which was to be like the biggest author in the world and to you know go to Korea and make k-dramas that's what I really wanted to do I had been <laughs> on this massive k-drama trip and um 
out of, straight out of high school, I had done like um like a really small degree in film. So I, I totally love script writing. I totally love filmmaking. So I was like, man, I'm going to go to Korea. I'm going to, you know, have something to do with K-dramas because they're just so <laughs> fantastical and cool. Um, so I was sitting in my business uh, 6th of January 2019 just going, oh, my goodness, I don't want to be here anymore because I don't think I can have my business and become a published writer. So uh, once I had that revelation and the revelation that to become a published writer, I had to actually write something first, which is <laughs> kind of obvious, but it was a big revelation for me. Um, I thought it was just going to come to me. I thought the idea would just happen and I would wake up with a book and I would, you know, get a publishing deal and it would be very easy. Um, so I realised I had to be more proactive about my life. So on that day, I put my business on the market for sale and then I had to go find another job so I sold the business within a week then I had secured another job like as an arts uh, administrator and producer because before that all of my um, background was in the arts community um, so that's kind of the context where I found BTS going okay I've sold my business um, I've let I feel like I've let a lot of people down because I, I've left my staff I've left my community of customers I left my like a large part of my identity behind because I know in my heart that I have to become a writer and I have to publish a book this year but I have no idea what this book is going to be about um so I kind of just threw myself into my new job and started trying to think about what I could write a book about and that's when I found BTS so from the first minute that I saw Idol um, apparently I wasn't in two heads about it. I was in three different headspaces about it because of course I had the whole, I'm in, I'm in love with BTS, like straight away. I was like, this is weird, but I love it. Um, my second headspace was, but I can't love it and I need to reject it. My third headspace was, oh my goodness, I've, I've figured out what I'm going to write my book about. Um, so it was a very intense moment that idol totally. music video. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, and it's also, isn't it funny when you think about how you experience things, sometimes you could say in the moment, oh, I didn't like that music video or that was a bit weird. But as time progresses, you look back and go, actually, I had or like five different feelings and they've actually grown since then. So that's how I, that's how I definitely felt about the music video. It was only like three minutes or whatever. And it was very short for me um, in my experience. But then looking back, it became a very long journey over those three minutes um so anyway so at this point in time what year is this 2019 I had started university in 2012 and I did a degree in sociology and it was around this time that I started to research and try and develop a theory about true love attachments that we experience towards celebrity musicians um and <laughs> because I really wanted to find a better word than obsessed because I really, really, really dislike it. I very strongly dislike it when um, girls, especially women, especially are said to be obsessed over people because um, OCD, like obsessive compulsive disorder, is a very serious um, disorder and it's not the same as being very passionate about something. So I wanted to find something that could actually encapsulate everything that I was experiencing at that time towards Harry Styles from One Direction who I thought was to be my one true love, but I was very wrong. Um, <laughs> so, because that's, he's very old news now. Sorry, Harry. Um, so I, I had started all this theorizing and in about 2015, I had found this word called limerence um, by a psychologist called Dorothy Tenov in 1979. She'd come up with this word and it means a loving adoration 
an attachment experience towards another person, which is unrequited. Um, it does involve fantasies, really strong compulsions, um, and like obsessive tendencies as well, um, among many other things that I won't get into. So I thought, okay, limerence, that's great. Could I apply this um, to my relationship between me and Harry Styles in One Direction? Not quite, because they weren't as good as I wanted them to be in order to fully test my theory. Um, <laughs> please no one take that out of context it's just to do with the theory um they just weren't as intentional in their relationships with each other with their music with their craft which we saw because they inevitably broke up um so it didn't quite work so then in 2019 when I saw that music video for Idol my first thought around that was okay Idol that is a really interesting concept in terms of an Idol is a celebrity musician um, and the fact that the lyrics in the music video were saying, um, the lyrics in the song were saying, you know, like, I love myself, you know, you can call me whatever you want, but I, I'm still going to love myself. Um, like, okay, well, that's really interesting because it seems like this group is very, very popular, very um, neatly put together, very intentionally produced um, in every respect of their craft. So for them to stand there and say, yes, this is our persona. Yes, we are idols, but we are artists and we are humans and we are very complex, but we still love ourselves. Um, I was like, okay, well, this is already, you know, beating One Direction by quite a lot. And I am intrigued to, to further look at this concept of idol as a, as a persona, a reflexive persona, a persona that, you know, you can really play around with so that's that's kind of they were so if we want to say the word helping yes they were helping me in the sense that I was instantly inspired um instantly like drawn to them um on a like on a personal level but also on a um on a level of I want to be a social theorist I have been developing this theory for what was that seven years so seven years later seven young men um came into my life and helped me start to put more of the puzzle pieces together and so from that point in time I've really started to develop up what this book could look like um, and that led me down many different paths which saw me create like an online um, platform for publishing articles called revolutionaries and another one called bulletproof because I wanted to write about the revolutionary capacity of BTS while still developing and exploring my theory of now idol limerence um, and it wasn't until March, so only, actually, it was just a bit over a month later. Um, I had, so I had the question. One of my biggest questions was, well, how much does BTS actually know about their own personas? Did they walk into this arrangement of BTS way back in, like, 2010 or whatever? Did they know that they would have to assume these roles, be it genuine or not, um, you know, they have to put on these masks and perform as these idols um, and play these roles for their audience, um, not once, not twice, but, like, consistently for a very long period of time. And how do they feel about that? Um, and is it good or is it bad? Or, like, how do I feel about that? Like, I'm, I'm very, I was very unclear. because So what I really wanted to know was how much they knew about their own persona, how intentionally created it was, what the experience is like for them, and then also to kind of analyse what the experience is like for me. Um, 
So these are all the questions I had because I was really starting to develop up this social theory, but also I was a new army, so I had no idea about all of BTS's history. Um, I didn't have enough time to go through all of the videos to get an idea of how they use their personas or what they look like or anything like that. Um, so I was still just a bit conflicted, like, oh, what if this is something that's really like accidental, kind of like One Direction? Like, what if this was accidental? They all just found each other. They're just totally being themselves and they're not really aware that they, they're playing this very particular role as idols. So I, I, I was still really unclear because what if the idol music video was just a one-off? Um, what if they were just were slipping some of these words around and didn't quite mean it? So I, I was going, I was going through it, but I was also totally enjoying BTS at the same time. Um, so on the 29th of March, so I was a day late. There was a there was a music video released on the 28th of March. I'm pretty sure 2019, and I saw that it had come out, but I was still in this half in this headspace of oh, I'm too cool. I shouldn't just as soon as they release stuff, I shouldn't just jump on it. Like I shouldn't let them derail my whole life. So I ignored it until the next day and then I'm like wait is that is that a music video with just Namjoon with just RM um I'm intrigued like why I didn't know that they did like comeback trailers uh solo comeback trailers like I had no idea I had no idea what a comeback was I'm like where where did you go where are you coming back from I just you know I, weren't you here the whole time I mean for me you've been on my mind every day since I first saw you so you're you're coming back from nowhere you are, you are like perpetually present in my life <laughs> anyway so here I saw this music video I jumped on YouTube because I, I think I saw someone share it on Instagram like a screen share and I was like okay okay jumped on YouTube and I saw the title I was like no way it's called persona are you kidding me <laughs> are you telling me that that everything that I have been wondering about uh, over this past month or whatever is actually being confirmed not just by BTS but by this one particular person who I am feeling quite connected to which we don't need to go into any great detail about because there is a, a book on that um, but you know like of all people why him and why is it being confirmed like this it just felt like the biggest breakthrough of my life I was like holy crap I was totally right intuitively somehow I was right and it's even better than I could have imagined um and that's by the time I'd finished watching that music video I had pretty well drafted an entire book <laughs> in my head and then I had like written down all the chapter titles and all the different themes and everything I was like that's it locked and loaded we are doing this um and so that's so to answer the question how BTS helped me I mean exponentially they have changed my life in the sense that they came in, gave me all the answers that I had been looking for and provided a constant, never-ending source of inspiration, um, not only as idols, but I feel as my peers, you know, we're within the same age range. Um, we seem to have a lot of things in common, which I guess is the whole point of BTS, right? They're just those people that everyone can relate to while also not being able to relate to them at the same time. So, you know, it felt like a very powerful collaborative process, but alongside this was me grappling with the fact that I liked BTS, with the fact that I was an ARMY, with the fact that I was now trying to write a book about BTS and trying to establish myself as a writer now as a writer who wants to specialise in BTS, realising that no big magazines or websites or anything will want to publish my work because they just go to their staff writers and there are a lot of other people who write mediocre things about BTS online and get applauded for it. And here I am trying to say that 
the idol's persona um, provides a link to the fans on a metaphysical plane. Yeah, as if I'm going to get published like anywhere reputable saying weird stuff like that. So that's why I started my own online publications. So I started kind of putting my ideas up there. And then that's also how I started to connect with other army. So that really was my first kind of army project in a way, Mm -hmm. um, because army were finding me and sending me stuff for me to publish and so I started like editing other people's work and curating like a collection of articles online um but it was very difficult so I was you know struggling to uh with how I was feeling about BTS because it's very intense struggling how I felt about army because it was very intense and also struggling to form my identity and my persona as a writer and actually gain momentum with my publications and get to a point where I could even write a book. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that's just the start of the story, but that mm. kind of gives an idea of how what my relationship with BTS has been like and how they have uh, definitely helped me. <laughs> totally. I do think, like, I, I, my mind was blown when when you said the thing that it was a le- just a few um, weeks, a few months later when Persona was out. I am a true believer that they were waiting for you to come (laughs) they were just waiting for you to join the fandom um so you could write your book and um and this all could have could happen right um but now um talking seriously (laughs) i am um very impressed by the whole thing and how um intense the impact was because it's um it's like they've helped you since the first second because like that you you okay you were having that discussion that mental discussion between your three mindsets about um the post idol situation what i'm gonna am i gonna do now but um but even in that moment you you already felt like with them you had the source you had like the, the 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 place the people from where you will be able to do that idea that you already had, that you had already developed a little. So uh, it, it is really amazing. And um, and going from that, we can talk a little bit about the whole thing. Um, and with that, of course, um, that and it's like a point that you touched in, in that you said a little bit in, in the previous question, in this question, um, the inspiration. Of course, you are an author and you've created quite a few things, like you've said um, about them. But um, let us know, like you, um, you created the the publishing house and then um, you started releasing this, these books, this everything like that were inspired in one way or another by them. So what are those about? Where Tell us everything we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Okay, I'll do my best. Um, <laughs> so fast forwarding to, we can skip over a lot of stuff and we can go to the start of 2020 when I had finished my book, Idol Limerence. So of course, BTS were the ultimate inspiration for that. Um, and I realised that after pitching my book to a lot of agents and publishers and editors, um, it wasn't going to be published. Or if it was, I was going to have to keep doing this process of pitching and querying and getting rejected 
like every day for another year before I found the right fit for me. And that that doesn't sit too well with me um, as someone who wants to be a writer because it's absolutely soul crushing. And I felt like a real sense of urgency. I think, I guess everyone does with their work, but I also thought, I don't know what's going to happen in 2020. And I, I thought it was funny that at the start of the, like in January, 2020, I was saying something is going to happen this year. And there is a really strong reason for why this book has to come out like in the next two or three months. Otherwise, I fear that it will become irrelevant. Now, that's also just my own fear talking because I'm not sure my book could become easily irrelevant because um, I tried to write it in a way that is mm, to some degree timeless. Of course, it is situated in the, the time that BTS exists. Um, so I thought at this point in time, well, one of my lifelong dreams, of course, is to publish books. Um, but of course, I was thinking I'd do that when I'm way more experienced. Um, and I had just been watching a K-drama, funnily enough, uh, <laughs> called Romance. Romance is a bonus book and it's um, oh situated God. around, yeah, situated <laughs> around a publisher. I mean, there's so many things that I that I, I, find, I find it problematic in some ways. Mm-hmm. And um, there's definitely, she definitely ended up with the wrong guy. Okay. Um, I haven't watched it. I'm Don't just... tell me much. I haven't okay. watched it. Okay. But sorry. I, I, okay. I, I sorry, sorry, recommend sorry. it to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You should go watch it. Um, but <laughs> it is situated around, um, around a publisher and it's of course very beautiful. Um, and it has its own like library attached to it. So it's just like a lot of book stuff and of course romance. So it's yeah. As the title says. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I just finished watching this K-drama. I just started it. Um, and everyone that has been watching the, the K-drama was coming to me saying, you should do that. That's totally you. You should do that. And, of course, you know, I am pretty easily influenced um, <laughs> when people say that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, I could I could start living a K-drama if I just started my own publishing company. Um, so at that point I had been having the online, what did I have? An online publication called Revolutionaries. So I'll explain, um, this does link really heavily into BTS and most people don't see the connection um, apart from when they read my work. And I, of course, refer to BTS as revolutionaries, but the name itself actually comes from around the time that the Persona music video was released. BTS also released like a Bangtan bomb, I'm pretty sure, or a video of some sort, um, which I thought was interesting because it was just a vlog Um, an RM vlog from the previous year um, around like the fake love era. I'm guessing like I'm really testing the limits of my memory here. Um, (laughs) And I thought it was interesting because they released it like within a few days or around the same time as the Persona music video. So then in my mind, I connected those dots because I'm always looking for dots to connect um, because it's fun. (laughs) And um, I thought, okay, well, what are they saying? And I'm sure it wasn't that intentional. Actually, I have no idea. But I was like, let's just pretend this is intentional. So what are they saying um, about this vlog and how it doesn't link into the Persona music video and everything that I'm thinking about this? Um, So in the vlog, you know, he's just talking normally. (laughs) And um, there's like a translation in the comments underneath. And I really hope that translation is correct because I've based a lot off this translation. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) because if it's not, oh, oh boy. Um, Oh, well. So he says, um, they say you can change the world in two ways. Um, The first is to see everything positively and the second is to be a revolutionary. And he says, I I want to do both or I 
I can do both. I want to achieve both. So I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting concept, right? Because when I think of revolutionary, and of course I did a degree in sociology, so I was looking at like a lot of Marxism um, and the the professed, uh, professed, prophesized, um, <laughs> the prophesized uh, uprising of the proletariat against the, um, the bourgeoisie, the, the ruling class. So that would have been uh, a revolution. So Marx was saying there's going to be a revolution where the people rise up against, um, you know, the people who hold power and overthrow them. Of course, he wasn't quite right. But, you know, that was my idea of revolution is like a very violent uprising or um, a white man colonising or, like, taking power, which involves a lot of death, a lot of bloodshed. Um, so when he said he wants to be a revolutionary, though he didn't say it quite in those terms, but that's how I connected those dots, um, I was thinking, well, if we start to view him as a revolutionary and then put that in the context of the Persona music video where he was exploring his identity, and the fact that he is Kim Namjoon and RM um, and he has this kind of duality while also the experiencing the lines being quite blurred between the two because they're not completely distinctive personas. They're not completely separate. Um, so if we start to look at that and then we put it that in the context of BTS's entire message, which, of course, is exemplified with the Love Yourself, Speak Yourself movement, um, we can start to see that perhaps the revolution that is underway is one of love, self-love and a love for one another, a love for the world, um, and one that is prioritising marginalised voices, of course, because BTS, although they are very affluent, they are in the West will always be from the periphery. They are the perpetual underdog, no matter how famous they are. So it's kind of a, it's a fortunate position for them now. Um, obviously, it wasn't in the past. So I'm thinking like, wow, there's so much going on here so he's saying like he would like to be a revolutionary he would like to change the world and with that lens I was able to view everything that BTS have done and that ARMY have done as revolutionary and it really sparked um it sparked this passion in me to connect all of that with all of my other interests in my life and it gave me a name for it which is revolutionaries I'm interested in examining things that are revolutionary as in things that are making a change whether it be a change within ourselves within our environments or more broadly um, so that's really where the name came from and I think a lot of people don't understand that um, of course they wouldn't because I haven't told them but um, when you see that the company is called revolutionaries they're like oh that's a really strong name we're not revolutionaries and like who would want to be a revolutionary because nobody really wants that title which is actually why you know of all people uh RM is deserving of the title because he doesn't want it um, because that's just the kind of leader that he is. So that's, and also that's what BTS probably would not want that title either, but that is why they are revolutionary because they are just being themselves and they're not assuming to know everything and they're not taking up too much space. They are just leading this with us and we are all working together towards a brighter future. So anyway, that's where the name came from. And of course, I had to start another imprint called Bulletproof when I had the online publication because I realised that most ARMY want to write stuff about BTS that is just BTS, like music reviews, like talking about different things like that. Whereas what I was interested in is showing BTS in a broader socio-cultural, political, environmental context, um, which is more of like a, not to 
put down the bulletproof contributions, that's very different. So it's more of a high-grade conceptualised thing at Revolutionaries, whereas bulletproof is just pure BTS, which is brilliant as well. But perhaps the audience for that would be primarily ARMY, whereas the audience for Revolutionaries, in my mind, would be people who are interested in a cultural phenomenon and social phenomenon and everything wonderful happening in the world. And it's a way for us to show that BTS are a very legitimate part of a broader revolutionary picture of what is happening on the planet at this time. So when I had to start um, thinking about what am I going to call this publishing company, I was like, well, we've already got two names right here. Why not just use them? And that's, I mean, it was kind of, it was another one of those really dumb moments where I was like stressing out over a name. I'm like, wait, I've already got one. Um, so that's, that's where Revolutionaries was born. And the idea is that it kind of encompasses my entire philosophical view of the world. And then also within that, I'm working in everything that I observe within BTS and ARMY and letting them inform the content as well. But in a reciprocal kind of creative relationship with me and with whoever else I'm collaborating with. So that's where the company started. And um, the first book that we published was my own. Note to listener, don't start a company and have the first book you publish be your own <laughs> when you've never published a book before. It is very stressful, um, but at least the only person you'll be letting down is yourself. So I suppose there is a plus to everything. But no, it was um, it was a very interesting experience, a very, very difficult one. And um, then I've just been building it up from there ever since. We've now got three imprints. Um, they're all inspired by BTS, so revolutionaries. So you understand that name, Bulletproof, very obvious where that one came from. And then <laughs> we have our literary imprint which is called Moonrise, which is from <laughs> um, Moonchild, RM song, uh, where it says, Moon when moonrise, it's your time. So there we go. They're actually all very much to do with BTS, um, some more so subtle than others, but they've definitely inspired everything, every everything. Totally. Hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> I've forgotten the question. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. I mean, it, it was like, the whole project that you created is starting from from yeah the inspiration that they gave you and 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 how you wanted to um to put that out to put that to people and and to to bring it to people i am i am very shocked i must admit <laughs> because it is it is uh, i think um of course in life we all have our our journeys and we all go through different stuff and um i'm really amazed and i really like um your story and how it has been um in that part in that in the thing that you created all of this and and that um you weren't um willing to just uh, go like um accepting rejections every time because um of the um usual publishing houses um ideals or or what they wanted so um you took the the the, the control by yourself and, and that were revolutionaries and and all the thing and the video and all that you saw became a part of you to create this that you've created so um and of course, in that publishing house of yours, there's your books. Um, for the listeners, I read um, one of these books, um, which is Idle Limerence, <laughs> and I loved it. If you haven't read it, I don't know why have you, you haven't read it. <laughs> I have no idea why, 
<laughs> what are, what you, are doing? you doing? <laughs> you totally, um, you totally should. Um, it's very interesting, but I like you to describe like those books, uh, very briefly. Um, each one of them, like what is the, the what is the charm? What is the inspiration? How was it? How did that happen? Um, like yeah, like what are the books about? Apart, of course, BTS, but you know. <laughs> like more deeply okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'll i'll tell the story in chronological order of how they came out so i won't cover the books that aren't about bts just because we don't have time and it's not relevant but just know there are there are more as well um i have been busy so idol limerence um is a lot to do with what we've already spoken about today it is the phenomenon of falling in love with bts and the transformational power of a single-sided love between a fan and an idol. Um, but it's so much more than that as well, and it's very hard to describe in short. Um, it is an original social theory that is explored through the fictitious life of Echo. So it's a, a cross between, which is why it was so hard to be published, by the way. It is because it's a cross between fiction and non-fiction writing, and the non-fiction is quite intense social theory, so it's not just like a casual essay it is really dense and then the fiction is quite light but still explores really heavy themes um it's light in terms of how it's delivered but actually reading mm -hmm. it I don't think people find it very light um but it is a way to kind of make social theory very accessible and understandable by showing you how it's actually applied in the life of Echo who finds herself falling in love with RM and Nam June, um, they are two characters in the totally. Um, just <laughs> um, so that's what that book is about. I probably did a terrible, like I'm the worst at explaining that book, but it's a good, like it is, it is our most popular book for a reason. Um, not just tooting my own horn <laughs> with that one. Um, and then so after that, so in terms of when I was looking to build my company, of course, I was still really new to the fandom. I felt like I knew BTS intimately, but I did not know the fandom. Um, very well because I still wasn't like a huge part of it and um, so to remedy this and also to really reflect my own passions of community building community development um, and the transformational power of writing and storytelling I started a project called I Am Army because I really wanted to know similar to this podcast um, wanted to know people's army stories so I put the calls out for that maybe like around March or May of 2020. And then I worked towards like getting the news out there that I was looking for um, essays. So they're auto-ethnographic essays to be precise, um, but you don't need to know that in order to read the book. Um, essentially it's more than just a personal essay. It is similar to Idol Limerence in the sense that ARMY are exploring their own identity and their own experiences through socio-cultural, political and environmental lenses. So, for example, uh, a chapter that we did end up publishing in I Am ARMY um, by some lovely twins, uh, Nazneen and Tagseen Sansodian from South Africa, um, who run like a really awesome South African fan base and have done some amazing things. They uh, co-wrote a chapter about being 30-something fangirls and they really broke down um, things like hegemonic masculinity, um, why fangirls are so diminished and discouraged and reduced to being hysterical. And they really analyse sociologically and culturally why this happens, um, while also weaving throughout it a very vibrant story of their life in South Africa 
and growing up in a, in a culture that's very different to BTS's and how much their lives changed when they found BTS and then went on to create this fan base, which does amazing, amazing things in South Africa. Um, so they were one of the contributions that we found. Um, lovely, lovely ladies, definitely check them out. Um, so that's that's what I was looking for. And we ended up finding, ooh, it's testing my memory. I'm going to say like six or seven um, chapters to publish in the end. So that book is really awesome. <laughs> I um, it's, It was really important because it was my first time really deeply connecting with ARMY in the sense that they they pitched me their, uh, what their essay would be about. And then we worked through every step from developing the outline to writing first, second, third, fourth, you know, so on drafts. Um, we worked very closely together for a very long time. So it was an awesome experience for me. Um, as a writer, as an editor, but also me as an army as well. And so that came out in September, September 2020. Wow, <laughs> um, so that was that was really that was a really important book for us as well. And then so that's the first two books. And then the next three books that came out all have come out this year. So they took a bit more time to develop just because my networks are still really small. And you would think, as a side note, you would I kind of came into this a bit naive in the sense that I thought I would be able to announce that I was writing books, like literal books and publishing literal like physical books um, to a very high standard and that everyone would be totally jazzed and come flocking mm -hmm. like, you know, whenever you see things go viral um, from ARMY, it's because, you know, ARMY love to support creativity, um, of course. So I was thinking that would be what would happen to me. And that was not the case. So my networks have stayed quite small, um, especially because I'm looking for people who want to write. Um, so that's still like that narrows the network even more. So it took me a lot longer to develop up these next three books. So then the next one to come out was called, is called Through the Darkness I Will Love Myself. And it is the first book for, for Moonrise, which is our literary imprint. It's a collection of poetry and prose inspired by BTS's Love Yourself era with lots of lovely illustrations as well. And that's from about 18 army from all oh around the world. So that was a really awesome experience. Yeah, lots of art. Like, and because, you know, you can't explore the Love Yourself era so simply because it's such a big, you know, a big thing in our fandom. I also did um, a book called Love Yourself, essays on self-love, care and healing inspired by BTS. And that originally was around the same number of essays, about 18. And then I think we probably cut it down to like 12. Um, so I, I did both books at the same time uh, over, over Christmas, which kind of dragged the timeline out a bit. Um, also, I do not recommend doing two books with like about 30 or 40 people at the same time, just in that, case anyone's listening. That kind of sounds a, a little bit um, intense <laughs> to go through. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But at least it was on. At least it was on exactly, the same topic. At least. So I was. I was into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then, so then, love yourself was the second one to come out. Um, so they are. They are like sister books. I don't know what else to call them. They, they're companion. You know, they go together because um, they both explore the love yourself era through one through uh, poetry and prose, the other through personal essays. Um, and yeah, I think love yourself is great because you can really get an idea of how people from all around the world, different cultures, different. Um, age groups, different everything, um, really have learnt to love themselves and develop their own practice of self-love. And I guess the takeaway from both those books, which is not a 
spoiler at all, is that, you know, self-love is mostly about self-hate and everything that we don't like about ourselves and learning that we can't really solve everything and we just have to keep trying. Um, so, you know, it's a very, it's a very realistic read. I don't want it to come across like, oh, we've all learned how to love ourselves. So read this book. It's more like, actually, it's pretty grim. Um, and of course, because of the pandemic, everything turned out to be extra grim <laughs> in those books. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's still, so BTS have said, hey, love yourself, speak yourself. And now this is our response saying, well, this is how we do it. Um, because I found when I was first becoming an ARMY, one of the first interviews I ever watched actually was uh, BTS on the Jimmy Fallon show. And they were talking about how they went to the United Nations and how their message was, you know, love yourself, speak yourself. And RM says something like, you know, it's important to love yourself and you can do that by speaking yourself. And I, I was quite cynical about that because what does that even mean? You know, when you say to someone, hey, just love yourself, you know, that's how you can fix everything. Just love yourself. It's like, actually... It's um, not that easy. How do I do that? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, thanks so much, RM, uh, Mr. Handsome over there on the couch, you know, like, sure, like, don't talk to me about self-love. Like, things look pretty good for you right now. And, of course, that isn't, you know, that isn't, it, life isn't that straightforward. But that's, I was, like, a very cynical because you can't just say, hey, love yourself and expect the whole fandom to be like, oh, sure. How good am I? Why did I never think of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I felt. I was like, good one. Bloody good one, mate. Like, oh, classic. Um, but, you know, so we, we but I, I also understand the power of, because BTS aren't trying to give us all the answers. They're just giving us, like, the support for us to figure it out for ourselves. So I wanted to give a book that is showing BTS and the rest of the world what we've done with that message. So it's a very it's a very good read, if I do say so myself. And then the last book, uh, most recent book that I've published this year, it's called BTS by ARMY 2020. And it is another collection of essays. This time it's kind of like our own memories of 2020. Um, so what we did uh, for each member of BTS and the group themselves, myself and... I'm going to say 10 other writers, <laughs> nobody, nobody quote me on that, um, just being recorded in a podcast. Uh, we each got a member and compiled all of their interviews, all of their lyrics, everything that they did, every performance in 2020, and used that to build a profile of who we see to each member to be or who they were in 2020. Um, so it's not really like us trying to, in, uh, encapsulate all of who BTS have ever been or all of who each member was in 2020 but it was just showing like with the actual cold hard facts that we can get our hands on um, from all of their official interviews and uh, appearances who were they and who do we think they are um, so that one has of course been incredibly popular because it is a, a really awesome book and it's got some awesome illustrations as well and on TikTok especially that one is popular because it looks very pretty <laughs> and I, I definitely recommend checking that one out. <laughs> That's great I am very I mean my attention got caught with every single thing I mean I am probably going to buy all of these books like uh, as soon as we end here <laughs> as we're finishing here um, a question popped in my head when you were talking about the whole process and um, sometimes talking about a topic that makes you, that, that you are so passionate about makes it a little bit difficult to, um, to edit, I, I think, and that's something that happens to me. Um, 
And um, when you said that you had to cut some of the some of the essays, because of course it's a book, it has to be like, <laughs> it can be for it can take forever. Um, um, how was that process? Was it hard to to actually cut some parts and to say a bit because you were like this is important too, or I I, I really want to illustrate this too, or how that process worked? Mm, okay, so it's easy in the sense that from my perspective, I have to preserve the integrity of my work and of the book, which then becomes a reflection of Army and BTS. So if for some reason, and there's so many different reasons why essays don't make it or anything doesn't make it through. Some people had to pull out. Some people just couldn't finish in time. Um, and for some people, they just couldn't appropriately, appropriately respond to feedback. And so there, like, there's so many different reasons. And I try to be really upfront from the beginning with the, with the authors. So even though they're selected to go through to a development stage, it's, I, make, I try my hardest to make it abundantly clear that at any point in time, I, I reserve the right to pull their essay um and that's that's pretty standard in publishing like that's that is the standard you don't publish anything you don't want to the editor or whoever puts the book together has the the final say and if the quality isn't there or if, if there's something illegal in there or you know there could be a number of reasons of why but if there's something wrong it just gets pulled especially if there's a really tight timeline and there were there was um with some of these books the hard part is knowing how people you know like people will respond um that that is the hard part so I, I have to it's it's hard for me because I'm a writer and I'm an army so I know like how important this is so I really have to be very compassionate and careful in how I talk to people but ultimately there's nothing you can do to soften that blow um and that's just the harsh reality so that is is that's kind of why we're more than a just a fan project we are a legitimate business um we're a registered company we make profit you know and i have to make decisions that are best for everyone and also to some degree uh by removing these essays i am also protecting the integrity of the person who read it wrote it <laughs> written who wrote it in the first place um which they would be harder for them to see but it is so important that i'm not putting anything out into the world that is not the best quality it can be um yeah so it is difficult The business, the business side is very difficult because I am dealing with army, and that's what makes it difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but yeah, you, you, you got, you have your point, and it's totally true. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's that it's a business. Um, it is a project. It is an army project because you're an army and you are like, um, researching and 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 going into all the army um stuff, but. But it's your business and it's a project that you have of your own and you have to like um, look forward to basically keep it, <laughs> keep it in the best possible way. So, um, so and take care of it. So, yeah, to start wrapping up and before we go into the, um, um, the fast questions, um, you've researched a lot. You've looked for a lot of stuff in the in army and in BTS themselves. Um, are there still things that are like uh, still inspire you and you think like, I, I want to dig into this topic or I want to do this or do that? Like, um, are there still stuff that you are um, still like um, um, captivated by? Like you, you, you feel like you 
can do something about it not something about it but you you know what i mean like create something from there <laughs> yeah oh for sure there is there is so much i have so many books that i want to make and i'm really limited by the fact that i'm one person <laughs> um otherwise you know and that i need the right people to collaborate with for particular projects as well i mean there is so much. I want to go into every single era of BTSs and look at how it has impacted the fandom. Um, so there's so much to do in that respect. There's so many army stories that I want to share with the world, but first I must <laughs> find them. Um, and in terms of my own like work, of course, the Idol Limerence is not just one book. It is part of a a planned series words I might regret saying later but um you know I have been planning a lot of books <laughs> um for a long time now and so there is a lot more within Idol Limerence and that whole universe that is to be explored but of course the number one thing that is my biggest motivator my my ultimate dream is to know because uh, if you think back to the start of this podcast, I said when I first um, was really starting to think about BTS and their personas and their experience as idols, I wanted to know what it was like for them. And that is the one thing I can't control right now. I can't make a book about what it's like for them because I can't ask them directly. Um, so what I've been doing is defining and analysing and looking at what it, the experience is like for me and all the other fans and the rest of the world but there is a large part of the whole story missing, which is their experience. And that is what has fascinated me the most um, because I know my own experience very well because I'm stuck living it every day. What I don't know with any great certainty is exactly what their experience is um, and how that looks. So that's my biggest driving force and whether or not I get to uh, actually you know, ask those questions is unclear. Um, but, you know, I'm hopeful. Of course, we'll of course. Um, at Hive, if you, for some reason, somebody, any any person that works in that building <laughs> <laughs> is listening to this. Yes. Um, yes, like a janitor yeah. or something. Someone who works in care. admin. You can find a way the to make this happen. <laughs> Yeah, if if you if you're the person who drives BTS around, if you're part of their driving team, casually, you know, casually come put on. on the on the on the radio, on the thingy, on the reproducer, go on, yeah. and put these exact yeah. um, extract from the interview. That's right. And so they can listen. That's right. Uh, yep, and give them a translator, <laughs> okay. real time. You know, so obviously they know. Or what at we're least saying. make sure RM <laughs> is there so he can do the rest of the work. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we can start now um, finishing this and we're going into the fast questions. Mm. So <laughs> um, they're not much, so there's nothing to worry about. But first of all, and this, I have this question since the beginning of the interview. Um, favorite K-drama? <laughs> oh, okay. My first ever K-drama was Mr. Sunshine. And I know it's really controversial. Um, because there were some historical inaccuracies. Um, I won't spoil it. Go Google it if no one knows what it is. If you don't know what it is, Google it. But um, it was the first ever K-drama I saw and it will forever be my favourite. Okay. Um, do you have a favourite BTS era? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I mean, I'll just go with the one that I... I came in at the, at the end of Love Yourself. So... 
that was really important to me. And of course, persona was part of the pers- map of the soul era. Um, so those two are really important to me. But oh my goodness, yeah. I, I also I also love you know um, the most beautiful moment in life, like and wings. I <laughs> no, sorry, can't answer that question. Next. You know their whole discography, maybe. That's my favorite one. Yeah, from 2013 <laughs> to 2021. That's my favorite era. Have you heard it? It's amazing. Yeah, so good, especially Airplane Part Two, which is today's theme song. So you know, exactly <laughs> Japanese version of course, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um and well last but not least because in this house we do love a bts or around bts what is your favorite round bts episode oh my favorite episode okay well i'll just go with a like a more recent one because uh my memory is very bad but okay i don't know the exact number oh there's been a few okay where they're in that massive cafe like that multi-story one and they're all taking um photos and um where JK finds out is it Jin who was like you know you lose points if Jin is in your photos and JK is finding oh, out oh, yeah, that, that Jin so... <laughs> yeah, yeah and that I I laughed so hard just because the re- the realization <laughs> like he thought it was kind of okay and of then course. then he realized it's like every single photo it's like oh yeah that is that's one of my favorite memes I mean JK just furiously go yeah hitting yeah. The, the thing it was amazing. yeah because you know it was a really boring episode otherwise I'm like why are we watching them just take photos and then uh, <laughs> at the end I'm like this is the best thing I've ever seen just anytime there's any kind of betrayal um is my favorite <laughs> of course what what's better than watching them feeling the traitor in, yeah. it's be- between yeah. them <laughs> it's among <Yeah>. them <laughs> Um, and well, that was it. Basically, that was all of our interview. Um, I am very happy that we had this little while <laughs> to talk and that, um, yeah, that we had a great time, actually. So um, is there anything that you want to say to our listeners before we leave? Um, okay, well, thank you so much for listening to us uh, ramble on, mostly me. Um, <laughs> if you want to check out my books, you can go to revoltbooks.com. So R-E-V-O-L-T-B-O-O-K-S.com. Um, and if you want a really awesome discount, you can enter Walia15 at checkout. So that's W-A-L-L-E-A-15-1-5 uh, for 15% off. And we do have free worldwide shipping. So please take advantage of that and check out our book bundles. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on all the platforms um, at Walia Eaglehawk. If you want to know the spelling, I'm sure you can just check out the title of this podcast so I don't have to spell totally. my I'm paranoid <laughs> I'm going to spell my name wrong if I, if I try and say it. Um, yeah, and I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much, everyone. So if you have any more, if anyone listening has any more questions, you know, contact me anytime and I will do my best to answer. Um, and, you know, keep, keep subscribing to this podcast. Keep listening. Just mm-hmm. never stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well like i told you i am really happy that we have this while and of course go everybody listening go and take advantages of everything that she just gave you like you have the discount you have the free shipping worldwide like you have the amazing content the books so this is your moment to shine guys <laughs> yes come on <laughs> and, come through <laughs> <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> um, remember that if you want to find the podcast, you can do it on Instagram at Trivia Borahe. And if you want to um, reach us for any reason, you want to send your send us your story, you want to be here, um, you want to send a suggestion, you can do it um, to our email that is triviaborahe at gmail.com. And yeah, that was it for today's episode. We'll listen to each other next time. <laughs> Oh, wow.